Hello and welcome to Crystal Core Radio. I'm your host, Brian. Joining me is Chris and Rory Khan. Welcome to the show this time. Rory and I have been doing lots of fun podcasts with Epic Loot Radio, and this is the first time I think we're getting you on the Crystal Core Radio here to focus in on Final Fantasy XIV, especially Endwalker and the release of just the job action trailer. Rory, if you guys have not seen his tweet, if you have not seen his reaction to the job action trailer, you got to go check it out. He tweeted out, this is the money shot, obviously on Paladin. <laughs> and so I have decided to bring the Battle of the Tanks into one show, oh. Paladin versus Warrior. Uh, we're going to go. I'm going to let Rory, you're our guest, man. You're up first, dude. Who won? So... And um, I mean, obviously, in that particular presentation, if I'm going to be completely unbiased, I think that summoners stole the show because I feel like people have been wanting uh, what that summoner style was pretty much since whenever they began playing the game. There was a lot of people that uh, I got to t try out Final Fantasy 14. Then they were like, oh, I'd like to play the summoner. And I'm like, oh, yeah, dude, summoner is great. It's a dot class. They're like a dot class. I'm supposed to be summoning things, not applying dots. And when I saw that you could summon like Titan, Ifrit, Guru, and Titan, when he gets summoned, he actually does like the big AOE explosion where the screen like almost disappears. I was like, dude, this is not for me because I that like, look, my mage of choice is the red mage, and that's probably never going to change because it's, it's the best mage. But like, <laughs> I was super happy for people. What, what do you like? What? <laughs> anyway, I was super happy for people Chris that uh, you know want to play Summoner. <laughs> people that want to play Summoner, like I was super happy for them, and I think that Summoner definitely stole the show. But for me, for my personal taste, obviously it was the Paladin because, like you know, I see Confetti. Or, I mean, most of the stuff that they did before is stuff that's already in the game. So I'm like, okay, I know that, I know that. Then I see Confetti. Yeah, Confetti. That's good. You did it a little bit earlier, but that's fine. Then suddenly, oh, but here's another one. And I'm like, oh, and then and here's another one. And I was like. Oh, and here's another one. It's like it's like the the meme from uh, Ed McMahon is like oh, and it falls down. <laughs> it's kind of the same thing for me. I love that. That was amazing. So Chris, who won? <laughs> so Summoner did steal the show, but the question was who won, Paladin or Warrior? And Paladin. I will say that Paladin was given giant, glowing, two-handed weapons that slashed from the sky like a, the world's largest fell cleave and was given a gap closer that can cover a actual gap. So Paladin became more of a warrior and that's a win. Like that's a huge win. <laughs> they learned from the best one and, and warriors like, we're gonna keep doing what we're doing. And Paladin's like, yeah, that looks pretty good. I'm gonna do some of that stuff. Um, so all in all, I think Paladin in my opinion is the most convoluted rotation of the, th the four tanks because I think it's the one that has the least forgiveness if you get off. If you're mid encounter and you lose your spot, like now your mana's screwed, and then the goring blade is on a 21 second timer, and like there's no room for recovery. It's like just just wipe it up and do better next time. As opposed to warrior is incredibly forgiving. Like just just make sure eye of the storms up, reset yourself at the next inner release. You're good. You're good. There's an on ramp and every 90 seconds. We're gonna drop that to every 60 seconds. It could not be more casual for like just hanging out tanking things with a big old axe um so i think paladin was due for the bigger change um yeah. and it it feels like a good move it does it, it feels like paladin got the bigger change 
I don't know if it's a I don't know if it's a good move per se because a lot of people one of the things that they don't like about Paladin and this was one of the things that I didn't like about Paladin when I was playing it and was one of the reasons that was pointing me more towards Gunbreaker is the magic rotation. It's weird. You're you're like this melee class and then suddenly it's like oh here's here's a magic rotation in the middle of your melee attacks and you're just like it's weird. Hi. And and what did they do? They added more stuff onto the magic rotation part of Paladin. And I'm like, okay, I see where this is going. But, but he lost the, the holy spam, right? Because it was Requiesce Cat when your mana's in um, theory mana's full, and then it's like holy, holy, holy confidier. And now it, it's it depends. It depends on whether or not the Requiesce Cat finishers require mana or if they just like replace a one, two, three combo or something like that. It, it's all very dependent. It could still be holy spam, and then at the end you just get more Requiesce Cat stuff. It could be that I don't know, but it's I would rather not have the holy. I would rather not have the holy span if if I could. Yes, I'd much prefer not to have it. Well, I mean, you're not going to get any. I mean, you have 100 percent empathy from there, me there, because I would rather not play paladin. So, um, <laughs> I'm glad there are paladin mains. They, you know, it, it makes sense to have a, a sword and board class. Um, it just doesn't speak to me as awesome as, as like the big two handed, uh, like oh. dark knight, dark knight, and and warrior just feel. Like my biggest issue with with Gunbreaker is that the gun blades aren't big enough. Like it has nothing to do with their rotation. It has nothing to do with how they play. For somebody that's not glamour is my end game. It's not glamour is not my end game. Why are gun blades not massive? Like and why is it not more obvious that there's a gun portion? Like I want revolver blades, like grenade launcher with a buster sword. Like, you know, because those cartridges, you only carry two. And then you've got these tiny little revolvers. No, no, no. Now you carry three. Right. <laughs> Make it bigger. Now you carry three. So we move from two to three. No, if they're, it needs to be a machine gun if they're going to be that small. So I want these big, <laughs> like when I use a cartridge, like, like that's what I want from Gunbreaker. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like, my biggest issue you with Gunbreaker the, is entirely cosmetic. You want the, the burst strike feel whenever you get like uh, an, a, any skill that uses a cartridge. Because burst strike is the one that goes like, like big explosion. That's what you want from everything. <laughs> And I, I, I get it. I completely get it. Like, I, I love the Gunbreaker, but uh, I'll also tell you what, like, for a while there, I was even considering Maining Warrior as well. They have, out of all of the tanks that I've played so far, because I haven't played Dark Knight, I can't deal, like, I'm very much an animations guy. Like, I love animations. And the way that Dark Knight Warriors walk with their sword, I can't, I can't. It looks like you're pole vaulting all the time. Like it looks like such an ineffective way to run around because like it would get stuck in a rock or something and you just like fall all over yourself, cut yourself up. It's like, I can't, I can't just play that class because the way they walk is ridiculous. So you've never fallen down the rabbit hole on YouTube and watched somebody make a real life buster sword. Like, uh, no, there's but something I, I know. so Final Fantasy about a buster sword that would take like three people to lift. Like there's something <laughs> so Final Fantasy. It's not steampunk. It's not high fantasy. It's not low fantasy. It's just like Final Fantasy is the only one that's like, I have a sword that's 18 inches across, 62 feet long, and I'm just going to carry it around like it's nothing. It's no big deal. I'm going to, some of these games, it's like, I'm going to wear like cloth robes with like a giant buster sword. Like, the Buster Sword is so iconically Final Fantasy to me that um, I want Dark Knights. Like when I'm trying to pick a Dark Knight sword, it's hard to pick one because it's the sword. The it's the yeah. sword. So at the but end of the day, like when you think about like Dark Knight Retirement Home, it's like a lot of back issues, <laughs> a lot of just like, <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. well, guys, uh, like, oh my God. we saved the but, world, but at what cost? At what? Yeah, cost? But they're already talking about like having a simulacrum up and like th those people are nuts. The, the I thing have a friend is that, that fights with me. Sure you do. 
I've I've actually I've actually seen like justification for that the way that they move is supposedly an accurate way because of like combat advantages and all of that stuff but I just can't deal with it and so I played uh, Paladin Gunbreaker and Warrior and Warrior of those three has by far the best quest line like by far I love the Warrior quest line it is so good it's amazing. I just redid the uh, the class quest quest line for Warrior. And um, that's good too. Like it's it's playful. There's we're building up to to fighting a big baddie, and um, it's weird to go back and do it through New Game Plus because there's a whole lot of like you do a quest and then you're immediately called. It, the issue with doing it through New Game Plus, and I've, and so I, this is the only job quest I've done through New Game Plus so far. So maybe they're all like this: is you talk to a guy in the job quest, and he goes, "I don't think you're ready." And then you complete the quest and you click and goes, I think you're ready. I think you're ready, Kunu. I want to ride big waves. Like immediately, you know, I can tell from the way you're standing, you've done some preparation. I so, didn't move. <laughs> so oh. did you guys stream the, the entire uh, thing as well? Yes. I made the very bad decision of streaming the whole presentation. When the presentation started at three in the morning in my time, it was, it was not a good idea. The next day, I was just like dead, completely dead. <laughs> it, not only but did it was, we stream the presentation, but we, obviously we didn't start at 3 a.m., but we started, it was yeah. 9 o'clock uh, Central Time here in the U.S., but then we did the summary podcast immediately right after that, and then I went and edited all the content so that people, went, when they were waking Jesus. up, could wake up to the information. So I ended up going to bed around 5.30, my time, then I got up at uh, 9 to change diapers and help with kids. And then we had like, it was a busy weekend. It was, oh, a we made a whole weekend. event out of it. I got yeah. two, I got both my resplendent gathering weapons the day before I started at 8am and they were both about half done and I finished them both. And, uh, and so it was a 21 hour stream. So on that note, guys, cause this was the, uh, that welcome to our impromptu, uh, tank discussion. Uh, the start of the podcast. If you guys uh, are, are not aware, we actually bring the podcast in MP3 form, Crystal Core Radio, wherever podcasts can be found, downloaded. And if you are enjoying the show, be sure to give it a five star rating. That helps in in include it helps increase its discoverability in the audio version. Now, this version of the podcast is also brought to you by John Psycho, Cordell, WG Productions, and Keelan. Thank you guys for being podcast legends, and then for Luke for making all of this possible with his like generous donation. So he gets a shout out. Uh, for the next year, I said, you sponsored the podcast for the year. Congratulations. So we thank uh, everybody for their support in the show. Guys, RoryCon is an incredible content creator. Most people, like when we sit down to talk about podcasts, say, oh, I know him. He's the my Monster Hunter guy. But Rory <laughs> is also a huge Final Fantasy fan, a paladin main. Uh, Rory, like obviously we just jumped into the end of the tank discussion, but uh, take a moment because there there's still people who I know within our community ha haven't come across your content or might not know that you're an avid 14 player. Um, make a take a second to reintroduce yourself, and then we got lots to talk about with Ann Walker. So I guess I'll just say how I got started into 14, and um, Chris is gonna laugh at this, but basically I was playing Battle for Azeroth, and that expansion is so atrociously bad, particularly if like me or someone who loves doing Mythic Plus. And you, you could actually see what went wrong there because like where my character logged out for the very last time before I tried out Shadowlands, it was in front of the weekly box. And I, I just made a decision there. I was like, look, dude, this is terrible. The reward system for this game is terrible. The balance for this game is terrible. I think I'm never going to play an MMO again. And I had people in my community that kept telling me, 
you should try out 14. You should try out 14. And I had played 14 back in like 2013. I actually interviewed one of the um, community managers before the launch of Realm Reborn because I was at E3 that year. And, um, you know, so, so I tried it out and I played it like you would play WoW, right? I, I'm just like, oh, I'm just going to grab all these quests, do all these quests. And mm -hmm. then go back and grab more quests and repeat. And that's a terrible way to play, at least in my opinion. I think that's a terrible way to play Final Fantasy fourteen. And so I, I burned out super fast. And then 2019, people told me, just play the main quest. Don't do anything else. Just play the main quest. And so I played it, and I never stopped. I just never stopped. I love the game. It's amazing. But yeah, like you said, another thing that I do is a lot of Monster Hunter. Whenever there's uh, any Monster Hunter releases coming out, I play Monster Hunter because that might be one of my favorite games of all time. Simply because, you know, one of the things that you like, at least I tend to like it, I'm always like, you go in there, you get yourself gear, you upgrade your character, you become more powerful, and you just go on this loop of becoming more powerful and experiencing, you know, tougher fights and bigger challenges, stuff like that. And Monster Hunter, at its core, is exactly that. You kill a monster, you carve him for pieces, you make an armor out of his pieces, and then you go fight a bigger monster. And you do this until you run out of monsters to fight. So to me, it's all about just like, give me a, an, an ever-increasing challenge, which is why I like Mythic Plus so much. But uh, yeah, and you know, I, I cover a wide variety of games, not just these two, but Final Fantasy XIV, since I started in 2019, has definitely become one of my like staple games that I keep coming back to because it's... You know, it's it's everything that I would want out of an MMO right now because it respects your time instead of like putting you on this endless cycle of like forcing you to play. Like one of the best things about Final Fantasy 14 is that you can actually take a break mm -hmm. because like, oh, I cannot play Final Fantasy 14 if I want to. And what that does for players is you leave on a high note. You're like, hey, this was great. I'm going to take a break and I'll come back later. And you're always excited to come back. Whereas in, you know, other MMOs, you're like, Oh man, I'm so burned out of this. I can't play this anymore. Just stop. And then whenever it comes time to come back, you're like, oh, I remember last time. It was not good. I don't want to come back to this. Ugh. Make it go away. The key aspect of, of games that are designed to help you take a break is the game has to be really good. In fact, I had this discussion just yesterday about Destiny 2 specifically. It's like Destiny 2 seems to be as they've evolved, not this way originally, but kind of following a 14 model in that regard. It's like it's perfectly fine to take breaks and what comes back with destiny was same thing with final fantasy 14 is content is actually so good that rather than burn yourself out rather than stress yourself out rather than having these epic gamer moments where that are just like this is the worst and it's like you clearly have hit this line because more often than not the people who are the most critical of games that i've seen especially in the comment uh, comment section uh, ties to be like, I've played 5,000 hours of this game. I've played 10,000 hours of this game and it sucks. And my mind goes interesting. Like that's, it's so interesting that after 10,000 hours, you've finally completed your review. There's gotta be like, when did it go bad for you? Like when did the milk spoil in that regards? And so I think Yoshi P's mindset here is, is quite healthy because it's something that I think gamers need, but gaming is addictive like we get excited and, and especially online games in which that maybe our community is completely connected into it it is almost a harder thing to kind of step away from a game because of that social aspect but i think services like discord and you know as as the system evolves like we hopefully will see more of that ability for people to be flexible on like oh i play a kind of a collection of games and i kind of yeah. just you know 
here's my game for this quarter <laughs> or something like that. Um, it's healthier too if you yeah. just like play a couple of different games because it keeps games fresh. It keeps you feeling fresh, and whenever you come back to something like I'll play a little bit of Monster Hunter, then I'll come back to fourteen, then back to Monster Hunter, then back to something else like played Tales of Rise recently. It's like you play a couple of them, and it keeps things a little bit fresh. What do you think, Chris? It's one of, it's one of the things that Final Fantasy has not quite mastered yet. Um, is is that they actually have enough content across fourteen that it could stay fresher, like inclusively. Mm -hmm. um, I watched you doing, I guess it was like a week or two ago. You were doing some. Eden, I think you guys like a raid roulette, and so you you got put against Ramu Eden, and I was I was counting up the deaths in your party. <laughs> that and, was so good. And so like I, I was I was I was like let's see it. I was like oh he, there's going to be a death to this next mechanic, and then there, and I was like yes we got two, and so we ended up with like thirteen deaths, and they got the clear. <laughs> and so we're just I was just rejoicing in just the chaos that is a forgotten fight, and that's a fight from this expansion. So it's possible that people yeah. who died have done that fight without dying before. But it's just forgotten. Like you just, there's so many encounters that something just smacks you upside the head because you haven't done it in months, possibly years. Mm. So we'll say, like, within, you know, that idea of freshness, that's something that, as we're here to talk about an upcoming expansion, Unreals is the first time we've seen them heavily leverage old content um, without having to make something truly new, right? Like Ramu, we had a Ramu fight, and now the Eden one is, but that's a, it's a different fight. And mm -hmm. so it's effectively, it's it's making a nostalgic callback asset-wise, but it's it's new boss models, new arena, new mechanics. It's new. So it might as well have been brand new in general. They were just being nostalgic there because of the way the storyline played out. Um, Unreal is the first time where it's like, okay, what if, what if these did allow you to kind of take that on? You talk about liking Mythic Plus. Yep. Um, you know, it has been asked over the last, we've been covering this game for five years. We've seen Yoshi P asked at least half a dozen times about Mythic Plus um, through different phrasings, extreme dungeons, hard man modes, uh, savage modes, scalable content, literally naming Mythic Plus. Um, one of those questions was asked directly by us to Yoshi P when we were given a chance to interview him. So we've, we've, we've seen a whole host of the answers. Um, and TLDR, the answer is no. Uh, and he, he has different reasons, um, just like the reasons they don't support DPS mods in the community. There's different reasons, and they can all be simultaneously true. Um, but that doesn't mean we can't have replayability come into the content. I think Blue Mage has been really clever at giving us replayability. So as we pivot towards talking about Endwalker here, um, you say coming over from Pete because BFA made you mad with Mythic Plus, but it's odd that you've now found a home in a community that not only doesn't have one, but is not getting one. Um, if they said yeah. if they do anything that's small man content, it would be tied to Deep Dungeon. And we do not have confirmation that there will be a Deep Dungeon update in Endwalker yet. But it's like one of the one of the things that I think this game does tremendously well mm -hmm. is teach people. It does an exceptional job at teaching people. So it's like to even consider doing like a normal mode raid in World of Warcraft without voice comms, you're crazy. For a lot of people, even attempting to do it without looking up a guide, you're crazy. You're insane. It's never going to happen. For most, for, for your average play, your average World of Warcraft player, it's never going to happen. Like, sure, progression guilds and people that go a little bit more hardcore, they might be able to do it. And, and here's the thing. Even attempting to do it without just DBM, which screams at you what you're supposed to do, like, bad is coming. Don't stand in bad. Run away, little girl. You know, that type of stuff. It's like, without that, you, it, it's... It, 
I think Blizzard even develops their encounters with that in mind. And it's just like ridiculous that they can't come up with a system where they just teach players like, hey, here's a stack marker. We taught you about this in a certain dungeon or a previous other raid. You know how the stack markers work. Or even something as intuitive as vulnerability stacks. I love vulnerability stacks. It's such an amazing tool. Like a lot of people will not understand, like if Final Fantasy XIV is their first MMO, they will not understand how important the vulnerability stack is because it is something that you look at it, you see it, and you're like, I did something wrong. That mechanic could have been avoided because if the mechanic can't be avoided, it will not punish you with a vulnerability stack. And I think that is just like, Dude, yeah. they'll, they actually teach you how to, like, I did the entirety of Eden without looking up guides, without looking up anything. And I'm not saying that as an achievement. I'm saying that if you compare that to other MMOs, like maybe even, I've, I've heard that raiding in Guild Wars 2 is also extremely challenging to, to get into. So it's like, you compare it to any other MMO, you're not going to be like a brand new player, jump into a raid and, and you know, actually clear it. It's not going to happen. This is. Have you done... Um... So uh, you finished your relic, right? So, so you did. Yeah. How would you think of Deliberum? Because Deliberum is a shift from the um, the Voln stacks to Twice Come Ruin. Twice Come Ruin takes yeah. the Voln stacks and just like dials it. I loved it. I, I thought it was amazing on the like on the teaching mindset because like I definitely disagree in certain areas, like especially when it comes to jobs. But on <laughs> on Twice Comes Ruin, well, and, and that's that's the big joke, right? Because like I was reading a wonderful, beautiful Reddit thread about us this uh, this last week, and it's. It's it is what it is. It's literally like it's it's great to be humbled and at the same time laugh my head off um, at the at the sheer amount of assumptions that people make. But one of it was is like he reads the tooltips in his videos to people, and my response was, "Yeah, people don't read the tooltips." And so I just started doing that, and all of a sudden, people started to improve uh, because there's still like a personal level of responsibility that even just like even a good player just might not even make and yeah i'm not here to judge anybody i'm just here to like help out but twice come ruin i think it's such an interesting teaching mechanic because literally like you get hit twice like you gotta you gotta be paying attention to the mechanics it makes that i think more more critical but uh you're going to respond i i just thought that was it, it's just an interesting uh point of view in my opinion I think Twice Come Ruin is a natural evolution of the Vuln stack where they're mm -hmm. like, okay, we want this content to be a little bit more challenging, so we'll give you a pass on the first mistake you make, but then you better be a good boy because otherwise we're going to put you down. We're going to put you in the ground. <laughs> and it's like, I love a game that is not afraid to take a player out because like nowadays if you go to you know single player games, open world games, there's there's a lot of games that like, it's almost like they're scared to kill the player. Like, oh my God, no, we can't, we have to coddle the player. No, I love when games just like, no, you made a mistake. Now you're dead. Learn. Learn, get better. Have you tried Deliverum Savage? Have you tried uh, Deliverum no. Savage? I haven't done any extreme content or Savage content. It's like, I want to, but I uh -huh. would want to have like a party of people so that, you know, because like, here's here's what happened to me. The first, my first party finder experience, uh, it was not a good one. And I'm not saying that this was like, oh my God, I can't believe it scarred me for life. But it was just like, I felt like I wasted my time because what happened was I, the first time that I did Party Finder was when the Unreal Trials came and it was um, Shiva, the first one, if I remember uh -huh. correctly. So I jumped into Shiva in the Party Finder and I had no idea because I never done Extreme Shiva. So I'm learning the mechanics. I, 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 it wasn't even Party Finder. The first time I went in there, there's like um, an option for extreme duties or high difficulty duties or whatever. <laughs> And I went in there and I'm just like, okay, practice phase one. Let's do this. So I, I queue for that. I go in there and I'm like, 
I think we did like six or seven tries or something. I'm like, okay, I've got this first phase down. And then everybody left. Yep. And I'm just like, well, what do I do now? And then I started over again. And then it's like a group of seven different people learning phase one again. And I'm just like, well, this is terrible. Like, I don't, I don't <laughs> want to do this. It's like, yeah. I want to do this if I have like a consistent party, like a static that we can go in there and we can all learn. Like, I don't mind wiping 50, 60, 100 times. I don't care. But it's like, I want the same people that are there learning. So that it's not like, oh, we learned the first We're phase. Bye, in everyone. Each other. Let's go learn again. Right. Yeah, We're exactly. investing in each other. If, if you learn faster than me or slower than me on a mechanic, it's fine. We're all here for the journey. But yeah. um, what I don't want is, you know, me to happily and perfectly patiently wait two hours for you to figure out a mechanic. And then the next day I have to wait two hours for somebody new to learn that same mechanic. Like I want to bring you along. I invested in you. Uh, you invested in me. Like we did this together and I want that triumph. Dividend to pay out over time. I mean, that comes from wow. Because like in wow, wow built that because wow, yeah. a something like part couldn't have existed. And B there were times that, you know, through various raid tiers, we've had to like farm up a resistance set for a tank and the resistance set was very expensive. And so everybody in the guild came together to pool resources, to build, this set that's going to help this tank survive this one boss uh, and you're going to get to the next boss and that's going to require some attunement or or whatever um and you know so there was this kind of collective mentality where you invested um now it did make it inaccessible to anybody that could not become part of a collective so you talk about not doing that whole style of content you're missing out on an entire section of content here because you can't you you haven't been able to put the time with the effort to overcome that because you've had other priorities and that's, yeah. that's fair. People are like, Oh, well, you know, I have kids or I want to play this other game or I, my job's too busy. It doesn't matter what the reason is. It doesn't matter how big or small the reason is the, the end of end result is that there is a piece of content you're interested in and there is something stopping you from getting there. It doesn't really matter how big the speed bump is. The problem is that there is a speed bump. But um, I, it, I don't think that this is a fault of the game by no. any stretch. Like th no. this is basically my schedule and the fact that I can't commit to like, okay, 7 PM, three days a week. Right. I do this. I, I unfortunately can't do that because I have right. two kids. It's like, I can't go, Oh yeah. 7 PM every, every other day. It's fine. Let's go. <laughs> so I think twice come ruin really helps. Um, I think that was a huge step in the right direction yep. in Savage. It moves to thrice come ruin. And so you get three stacks of it instead of two, but they don't fall off until the end of the boss. So they don't tick oh. down. Because twice come ruin, that's a probationary stack. And if you're good for two minutes, that stack falls back off. And so you can keep bouncing around with just one stack at a time and you're fine. Mm -hmm. Thrice come ruin, no, you're done. And there's no resurrections without lost actions in Savage. So you're steadily losing people or you're losing consumables or both. Um, and then if you wipe up in the raid, you have to log out of the instance and you have to clear deliver them savage from the start all the way to the finish so you talk about wanting to be in with a static you do not want to try to pug deliver them savage like that that's no yeah, exactly. david david that's, follows that up though and saying that it actually that mechanic stops you from being able to blame the healer in that regard oh, people still blame me. oh and that's and and, and yeah. mysterious says like hey i'm gonna still blame the healer though <laughs> it's like you can't tell what yeah, to do yeah, yeah. dead gum healer I, I I don't think I ever really blame the healers because I've healed in World of Warcraft. I do have a video that was very like infamous because I basically asked healers to heal sprouts in like roulettes. And the healers resoundingly said no. I was like, okay. <laughs> I mean, you do you. It's like I, I had I had comments in that video of people saying, like, it's not my responsibility to fix the party's mistakes. And I'm just like, but 
That is literally your role. (laughs) It is a reactive role. It is literally your role. Now it would be ideal because they would not see how intensive they can make your role, but you, you literally signed up to fix their mistakes. Yeah. So, so it's like, to me, it's always weird when, when people are like that. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to bring this topic out again because like, I understand that healers should try to DPS as much as often as as they can because the game promotes that type of play style. And I think it's cool, but I think that, you know, particularly if there's a sprout in there, like it kind of sucks. Like if you have a sprout tank, that's trying to learn how to tank the content. And it's like, he doesn't know that you're going to heal him when, you, when he's at like 5% health. He's like panicking. He's probably going to start running around. He's going to be like, oh no, I'm going to die. We're all dead. It's over. And it's like, you're going to just like toss a heal and be fine. But no, they, they, they let people go uncomfortably low. I, I, I mostly mention this for sprouts because me, I don't, I don't even blink I mean, anymore. I've gotten so used to it. It's like, I'll go sub 10%. I'm like, yeah, it's fine. He's going to like lustrate or whatever it is. That essential dignity doing. does encourage me to see how low can they go. <laughs> like in its very tooltip, it's like, could you go lower? <laughs> like essential Wait, dignity is straight up. Like, I wish I had that, that meme. Lower from, is uh, Futurama. Lower, lower, too low. <laughs> lower <laughs> that's the that's the astro one right essential yeah. dignity because yeah because yeah, i play i, I recognize it's, this guy. it's I play astro, astro benny with a little bit of roulette a little bit a little bit of risk involved because uh, <laughs> it's I, like I you go astro. lower and i'll uh I'll just like be careful that. so you don't end up your so sloppy. <laughs> <laughs> sloppy oh my gosh that's so funny mm. the um yeah when it comes down to the healers uh, i think essentially like there's a, a mindset of a comfort level in adjusting to damage, right? Like I think as yes. you learn the mechanics and even though Yoshi P states over and over again that healers are designed, the encounters that. are designed that we're not factoring in healers damage into the equation. And I think the best way to heal somebody is uh, to prevent them from taking damage in the first place. And that means the boss got to die, right? Like I cannot fathom. And here's the thing, like as somebody who, like, I will absolutely work with somebody who refuses to do damage. Like, I'm not sitting here going to make a judgment call on that. If we decide to go in and you're like, I'm uncomfortable with doing damage, we're all on the same page. However, I don't understand how you're not bored out of your freaking mind on the yeah. healer job. We're running savage raids uh, and I'm I'm healing and I'm doing, yes, I put out healing because there's mechanics in which that we need to make sure everybody's topped off. There's still plenty of downtime, at least if you're running with at least a half, you know, competent group that they're avoiding mechanics. Like, what are you doing? Like you stood around for, and you're just, and waiting for somebody to get hurt. Like if I in love, that case, do you want the actual answer of what I'm doing in no, my listen. 15 hell's lids runs? Yeah. I'm, Chris. I'm, I'm, I'm decenting. They Chris, will let you, you know. decent in combat, <laughs> in combat, in combat. I decent 15 items in a hell's lid run. No, you know, you know, it's the best part about what Brian just said is, is that Brian goes like, uh, well, I'm not going to cast judgment, but what are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> what? You literally just went, I'm not going to cast judgment, but what exactly are you doing over there? A general <laughs> question. You can be of- combat flagged on the run while descending. That's pretty cool. That cannot be intended. That has to just be <laughs> under the assumption that nobody in their right mind will do this mid dungeon. And then there's Chris who's like, yep. Yeah, but I'm in here on a healer queue. So instant pop. I'm going to run the same dungeon 15 times because it's the fastest way to get what I need. Mm-hmm. I'm running into the same tanks over and over. 
It's a dungeon that tanks. I was asked multiple times during my 15 runs, is it okay if I pull heavy? My answer was always yes, but in Hell's Lid in particular, you also can't pull heavy. So like, I'm not at risk of like, well, what if I didn't expect them to pull that heavy? The largest pull is like six. Like it, like it, it just, this game is so, as opposed to, you know, Rory coming from WoW, pull heavy, you can pull all the way to the last boss. Yeah. You can, you can go straight through. You can just bring all of the trash with you. Go for it. Scarlet Monastery back in the day, if you pulled the last boss, it used to it used to grab any trash yeah. you skipped. Everything and so if you else. went through it on a max level character, you'd attack the boss and just this wave of guys would come in and you'd cast an AoE and kill like 60 million things at once. It was awesome. Um, but in 14, you're really healers are pretty protected. So people are fearful of getting into tanking your healing. But the nice thing is the maximum level asked of you in a dungeon is capped. So even somebody who's cleared all the ultimates 9 million times, they can still only double pull. So you only have so much to learn before you're caught up. So it's it's a really approachable game, um, which I think is a good thing. I think it's what's made it... Yeah. Um, I, th- I, think that's, I think that's really ideal. The roulette system in general fosters us playing with people of different skill levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they and have that's... to have the... That yeah. because you have to clear the dungeons to get through the MSQ. So you have to have some mechanic that puts us with people who have done things we've already done or they just get stuck. Now, Chris has got to be decent thing like while he's running dungeons because he's got to make up enough gill to help cover September, which is going on on Twitch right now. So if you guys aren't aware, he's giving away 12,000 gill for every sub over on Twitch. So if you guys have supported or not, just be prepared. A ton of money is going to be rolling out on one, or I guess maybe multiple sprouts are going to be getting 1 million gill out of I'm your... I'm only allowed to trade 1 million per trade screen. So you're up to what? That's 7 million, rule, 6, 7 million gill going out at the end of this month right now? Oh, we crossed. We crossed 8. Oh, yesterday. 8 million gill, guys. So be sure to, if you're not following Damn. over on Twitch, be to do so. Another great free way to help support is liking that smash button over here on the podcast helps share or it out smashing that like button either yeah, way yeah one of the two <laughs> there's a button uh, you can also tickle the dislike button uh if you're so bold uh so but i'll leave it listen up to you. Let, let me tell you one thing though brian it, i don't think that's that's no longer like positive for engagement on youtube anymore eh, i think okay. they kind of they nerfed they nerfed the dislike button a little bit oh yeah eh, I don't, it <laughs> doesn't bother me thinking? it just makes me laugh when i say that you know when, when i see some dislikes i'm like oh, a bunch of ticklers out there <laughs> uh you know so it is how it is the uh i want to highlight roxy's comment especially when it relates to healing uh saying that the, the, the first extreme shadowbringers tuesday uh, first time seeing the fight, tried to keep the white mage dot up, but I was doing my best to keep people healed and try to keep myself alive. I think that's the right call. Like if people yeah. need healing, like that's that's your yeah. priority one, right? Like heal. The fact though that you went above and beyond and actually kept trying to keep your dot out there, I think that's like it's interesting. Like if you look at kind of a bell curve or standard deviations, just doing that action alone, like I think puts you light years ahead of anybody who's just like just standing around with nothing to do because at least that dot is ticking off and helping kind of help prevent some some future damage and just overall just doing something because it is a little bit lightweight and that's one of the things that they did in in Shadowbringers is they really nerfed the damage of healers and so as we kind of pivot to like the big topic of what do we want to see in Endwalker like I want to see what Rory thinks like we obviously you're getting more swords for your paladin like are you good like you're just like yeah I don't care I'm set or do you have a list of things that you want to see the game evolve or, or develop over the course of specifically uh, in term in terms of job or in terms of like game features? I would go. Like I that. would start with your job, and then I would sh- uh, evolve into the game features. 
So in, in terms of job, I want a little bit more clarification on like what is going to happen with, because I, th I think that this game has skill bloat. Uh, a lot of people like to call it sometimes, oh no, it's skill. You, you're able to hit more buttons. And so that makes you a better player. And I'm like, well, yeah, sure. Okay, fine. But it's like, I do think there's a lot of bloat. And I think that that was definitely shown when Yoshi P showed the summoner on the demonstration, because like you look at the bars, they're not that full. And it's like, people used to tell me that like, oh yeah, when you're a summoner, you ha you need an extra hand to, to do the rest of the spells. And I'm just like, oh, that probably means you need like a, t a crap ton of buttons. And you look at Yoshi P's bars in that demonstration, I'm like, there's not that many buttons there. So I think they're going to cut down on the bloat. And I hope that they do, you know, a little bit of optimization here and there. Like one of the examples that you brought up on a couple of videos that we made was like, you'd like to see it when uh, you do Royal Authority, replace that with attunement. Yeah, like stuff like that, I think is cool. Because like, how are they going to do the additional confettier stuff? Like, how how's they going to work out? Are they going to replace the button of confettier? Is it going to replace my one two three combo Goring Blade? My one two three combo. That'd be Royal interesting. Authority? That would be yeah, that, a that's really what I was cool thinking. thing to have that evolve right into that that combo because because go ahead. If if you think if you think because I recently leveled up Dragoon because you need one of each of the roles for the and I was missing like a melee DPS and I looked at all of them and I'm like okay Dragoon's clearly the best so I'm going to play Dragoon. And so, um, you know, Dragoon has that thing with his rotation where, you know, you start your rotation in a way. And then after that, it starts replacing like your first one, two, three combo with different things. And it's, it goes all over the place because of the way that I place them. But it's like, okay, this one lit up. Now that one lit up. Now go here and there. It's like, there's a lot of replacement of, of abilities that you have both on Dragoon and on Red Mage, like at the end of the, of the Red Mage big combo, like it replaces your one, two, three combo. That's where I kind of got that idea that Confetier would do that as well. So it replaces all of those. And then you like, you pick one and then you pick one more at the end that it also gets replaced. It's just that to me is what makes the most sense. Like reuse the buttons we already have because this game needs to be playable on a controller without people like losing their minds about which buttons they, they need to be pressing, right? Gunbreaker is getting a, an evolution like that. And then go ahead, Chris. Yeah. Gunbreaker's combo got longer and they're going to do it with less buttons. Yep. It's a longer combination before it repeats as far as total number of buttons pressed. And they're going to do it with less buttons on the bar. They're going to take two buttons off the bar and they're going to extend the total length of the combination by one. Because now post non-gnashing fang combo, there will be a continuation that did not exist there before. But there's, um, there's that's also what we know. There's also the burst strike follow-up. So you're probably going to be adding some new buttons in there as well. Right, that's what I'm saying. So, yeah, so post burst strike, so post non gnashing fang, you will have an a duo oh, continuation okay. after that. Which they said that would be continuation, which means oh. continuation will no longer be something you only use during gnashing fang combos. It'll also come post burst strike. Yeah, right. It is continuation. Good point. And mm -hmm. it looked like at one point they used an ability that burned two cartridges. Yeah, they did. Yeah, the, the so jump that is in some, the air. So that is twice. some additional thing that we have not seen it that I have not seen a tooltip for because I have not gone and looked. Maybe those tooltips all leaked. I haven't gone and looked at a single leaked tooltip yet. The tooltips I but, know uh, for Sage and, and Reaper are, I guess, really kind of the focus. But I think Summoner got posted today. Is what I was told. Oh, really? Interesting. In the yeah. in the official uh, the the Reddit uh, Discord, that one had like a bunch of translations for a bunch mm -hmm. of the stuff. So that's where I saw a lot of those. But it's like so besides just like managing the button bloat a little bit better. Uh, I guess for my job, I don't really want that much because like I think the Paladin is in a pretty good spot 
because you can support other players. You can be the main tank. You can be the off tank. You can, you know, off heal if needed be, which is one of the things that I personally really like. Because, you know, whenever you go into one of those dungeon runs, like a dungeon that you've done a thousand times, but there's a couple of people that are new there, or maybe people were off their game and they get killed. And there's sure. just like the tank and a DPS left at the end. I love those. I live for that. I'm like, yeah, let's go. I like this. And then I'm like, okay, heal you. Heal me, no magic rotation, keep the mana up for heals, and it just feels yeah. great. So yeah. That's why I watched that's your party the- die so much. And it's so funny. I didn't want you guys to wipe. I want you to get the clear. Yeah. I just want it to be messy because it's way more <laughs> fun when it's messy. It's not because people should come in and intentionally make it messy, but it just like when you see somebody drag a bomb into the party, you're like, oh yes, this shit is <laughs> excellent. This is excellent. Um, and then you see like Ixion horses pop up on the edge of the corner and you're like, oh man, two of them aren't even looking back. Those, those horses, you see big lightning horses behind them and the person's just standing there and you can see it like a horror movie. Like they're right behind them. <laughs> turn around, turn around. Uh, and then they don't, they just get yeeted off the platform. Um, that's one of the things about 14 that I really wish we could change. And I know a lot of that was originally just like tracking systems and stuff is let us fall off more things. There are so much safety in this game as far as like edges you cannot fall off of uh in cities in encounters there are so many times you just get slammed into like some crumbly rocky edge and then you get stopped hard it's like no if i get yeeted let me get yeeted all the way i am happy to click that slow release button and try again now i just just, go ahead go ahead I just recently saw um, Rich Campbell fall off on the um, the final boss of the Amro dungeon. I forget that the name of it, the one with that big piano thing, and he's just like on one of the corners, and he just thought that the corner, you know, <laughs> because most places yeah, in yeah, 14, you can't, you can't fall. fall off, yeah. and so he's just like he just moves forward. He's like, oh wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Consistent and I've seen consistent. That's just how we I, like to do it with falling off mechanics. I've seen uh, on on highlights as well, like uh, healers pulling people off of those tiny platforms, like yoink. (laughs) So So there is a lot more movement. If you look at the live letters, we look forward towards Endwalker. The live letter in general, the job action trailer, it looks like everybody's going to be moving more. So you talk about people sliding off platforms. Does it look like to you, do you think that's helping people move better? Or do you think that there is something on the content side of things where you're like, why would I need to be able to sprint that much? Like, why would I be able to, be able to gap close an extra time? And it's like, is there is there a reason? Is there is there something that we need to be gap closing, or is it just quality of life? I just I just think that when whenever you're able to gap close faster to mobs, you just get into a flow state basically because you're just like okay. boom, and from here I go to there, and from there I go. Because like, look, I used to play warrior in in World of Warcraft, right? And we had. Mm-hmm. Uh, Back in the day, we had charge and then the charge from Zerker stance, which is intercept. And then we also had uh, heroic leap at one point. We had these three things. So they like, yeah, I'll charge over here, then heroic leap over there, then intercept over there. And by now the charge is available again and go again. And it's like, I would just like go from mob to mob to mob super fast. And that to me is super satisfying. On yeah. <laughs> as the opener and then leave the gap closer cost engage. Leave that be something I really only use during a release when it makes it free. A heroic leap, nothing makes you feel like a barbarian with a big axe, like a heroic, like a true just leap through the air, right. slam down. But isn't that um, and that was a place like thing. Fit- and the new placing UI is yeah. way better. So that was a place like 
I'm not going towards a target. I'm going towards a place and I'm going to hit everything that happens to be there. Isn't that though also yeah. kind of similar to what you're wanting with the finisher from, it looks like your, you know, internal release, you know, is where like, they yeah. can that, and then all of a sudden it's like the spinny thing flipping and, you know, slamming. Yeah, I don't know what that was. Yeah. It's going to be I, neat to see. Yeah, that was a big forward, spinny so. thing. It looked good. <laughs> now yeah, I'm going to dive into more systems with uh, and Walker, but Fia does say, uh, they should figure out a way to turn skill buttons into the next skill in the combo so that a three button combo is really just one button that changes well, as you go. Do you think, what do you think about that? That is that's PvP. the PvP button that, that they've already done that. It, there's, they clearly don't want to do that. Otherwise they would have done it already because the technology, they, they already figured out how to do it. So that's, that's they, not going to happen. They also do it in PVE in special circumstances when you're yes. kind of playing in and uh, you're stepping into another role. It's like one, two, three, and then. I don't think it actually weakens it. I've obviously wished that we could either do that or, or allow us to have that control. I call it stacking. Like, just let me set like this ability and then following this ability, that ability. And that way I could end up just kind of creating my own. But I would love to personally see that for when it comes to the controller, because I do wonder, especially when we talk about if skills are going away at some point, it's like you have a, I, I worry about the earlier game. So I'm seeing that maybe more of our skills evolve or at least have, have it happen automatically like what they're doing with gunbreaker and summoner in some cases where the skills take on what the summon is so they're not extra buttons that are just floating out there go ahead it's a it's a double oh sorry you talk about like in red mage until i'll toss this to you red mage a lot of it is about skill priority and so by adding new evolutions of a skill you can say hey when you play it in level 30 you're going to do it as one two three when you get into level 60 content there's going to be situations where it's actually one two three three one three one two three one right and so like you don't have to add more abilities to add complexity if the evolutions cause the skills to take on yeah. different situations like so how do you visualize if you don't want to add the skill bloat how do you visualize making the new game feel new and fresh but not making scaled content feel like i'm just single button. i mean it's, it's just the the thing to me is that what brian just talked about i think in i mean actually what you just said chris is a good example of how to do it right which is you still have to press a different button right you, you're still going you know one two three two three one whatever you're still swapping between different buttons whereas uh what people were suggesting is like no i just want my one two three combo in one button and that i think is not necessarily a good thing. I think it's good in PvP because you need to be paying attention to a lot of other things, and that makes it, that allows you to focus on other aspects of the game without focusing on your rotation. But I remember that when I started playing the game, I was like, dude, this this these rotations in this game, this is crazy. Like, why the hell do I want to do like you know all of these things and then go to the other combo and then the the combo that comes after that one? This is insane. But as I mastered it, I was like, you know what? This is actually really satisfying, and it feels way better than what I used to do in other MMOs. Just like figure out which are the four buttons that really matter and then just mash my face against them whenever the cooldown is up pretty much savage has made me respect some of the buttons that i could have been okay being macro prior to savage there were moments in e12 where like there's a shiva phase and i you, we all cut through the middle and to survive it we were having me use shake it off as a warrior, which is an AOE, def everybody gets defensive, yeah. but shake it off has a secondary piece of the tooltip for anybody that hasn't ever played warrior. There's a secondary piece of the tooltip where the shake it off gets better if you have other defensives up because it consumes those. 
And so prior to that phase, I was stacking buffs on myself to just avoid minimal damage, not really. And then before those fall off, as I pass through the middle, I was consuming it for a big shake it off. And if you make all my defensives, just this defensive, then this one, then this one, and the more times I press it, you know, oh, I want two defensives, I want three defensives, and I'm just pressing it, then it doesn't Is that how you were doing it? Mentally, it was how I was doing it. They were all in different bars, but mentally, it might oh, as well okay. have been macroed. Mentally, it was like, oh, this is a two defensive moment. This is a three defensive moment. This is a one defensive moment. Things are getting a little hairy. Let me push one. Oh, nope, not quite there. Let me push one more. Now, now, which defensive might change, right? Um, you know, so like a reprisal is a very different situation than a rampart. But ultimately, I was thinking in my head, is one mitigation enough? If not, is two enough? If not, is three enough? And I was just working down the line. Um, but with Shake It Off, it's very specifically which defensives do I want to consume and how many of those do I consume? Uh, and so it starts to change the relationship with those buttons. But the problem is you can't say, okay, well, every player needs to progress to the final boss of a savage tier before they can appreciate all their buttons. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So as we move into Endwalker, we have roll quests. Why are roll quests not mage tower? Like why are roll quests not encouraging us to enjoy, because you played to BFA, so you would have done Mage Tower and Legion, right? So why no, are I didn't, I didn't do I didn't do Mage Tower? Okay, so are you aware of what Mage Tower is? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's challenging. Isn't isn't Mage Tower kind of like? Isn't it like what Blue Mage has to do? Right? Isn't there like a is. Blue Mage quest it that's is. similar to? Yeah, <laughs> it's a masked carnival for every single job in the game that gives you an ultimate glamour style weapon, super glowy, awesome. amazing weapon. And you had to beat these tiers of it, and they were individually designed encounters for your job. Now, some people naturally thought were easier than others because balance is hard. But ultimately, at the end of the day, what it was, was you're going to have to know what all your job can do. Not, yeah, I just play my Paladin, but I don't like the magical rotation, so I just don't do that. You could clear all <laughs> normal content in this game with the physical Paladin rotation yep, and Sheltron. No clemency, no other defensives, no limit break on the bar. Requiescat, I just took it off the bar. You could clear every single normal piece of content in this game. And you wouldn't have to be amazingly geared. It's all clearable. No. Don't, but you could. And this says, okay, but you won't clear Mage Tower like that. Um, and yeah. so roll actions is the opportunity where I, I would love to see Endwalker move to something that teaches us besides making like, oh, well, if you're not doing Savage, there's no need to get better. No, I should... I should just get better because I enjoy playing the game and it would be fun to play the game better. Better. Yeah. It, it's, it's one of those things when you do something like that though, it, it definitely needs to be um, optional because there's a lot of players that just don't want to engage with that content. It's, it's that simple. Final Fantasy 14 as a community, from what I've seen uh, from my experience in the game, it's like there's just some people that just want to hang out. They want to do yes. content every yeah. now and then. Yes. And then they want to like hang out at their FC house and just like chat with the people or not. And that's a perfectly <laughs> legitimate way to play and enjoy the game. So fun, you can have that right. content so long as it's not like mandatory in the quest. Or if it's mandatory, you just have the, the thing where right. they do now whenever you fail like a, a scenario, they're just like, hey, you want to bump down the difficulty Story mode. progress? Yeah, normal mode, <laughs> extreme, savage. Dude, the first time, they, the first time they, they did normal. that to me, I, it was like a slap in the face. I'm like, "What do you mean? You think I'm not good enough for this? Excuse me." What was the first <laughs> encounter that did it to you? Um, damn mine it, was no, the blue actually, weapon because it turns out I, don't I actually know how to don't. Gundam. <laughs> I actually don't remember, but it was it was something it, it was something with my pal. Then I don't remember exactly what it was. It definitely happened to me 
on one of the roll quests in Shadowbringers where I got I got a little bit trounced around. Like one of the yeah, one one of the tanking quests was actually challenging for me because the markers the markers were stacking a lot and I was not used to like stacking markers, you know, because like it fills up the whole screen, but you just have to remember which order were they in so that you know, okay, this one's gonna disappear first. And you know, that was like the first time that I had to deal with a situation like that. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. The screen's full. There's nowhere to go. What the hell's going on? And you know, I'm also playing. I'm looking at chat and I'm just like relaxing. Then suddenly it's like, there's a screen full of telegraphs. Like, what am I supposed to do here? So yeah, and then, and then that message pop up and I'm like, well, what do you mean? You don't think I'm good enough? Like, what? <laughs> yeah, there's been many times, I guess, when I'm playing Final Fantasy 14 that it's, it's nice to be humbled. Because it, it's yeah. like, yeah, I've been playing this game for so long. I got this. And then you're like, well, ah, what did I do? Maybe I don't. <laughs> Maybe I don't. I gotta, <laughs> all right, cool. Now, I like it when they, I, they get to throw new things at me. And speaking of obviously new things, is that as we get into expansion, it's like we've, we've covered a lot of things. We talked about like kind of inputs and jobs and stuff like that. But um, when it comes to like deep dungeon, things that we might get, like, you know, I, I, wouldn't, I would hesitate on saying soft confirmed. Yoshi P said he was surprised by how many people really kind of missed it within Shadowbringers and they want to look to bring it back. They took some of the, the content in the leveling form and brought it into other things, which I think was healthy. And I hope that we all see leveling spread out across all different content. I've seen the counter argument being like, but then that content's going to die because it's not leveling content. It's like, you don't understand the content exists and it's fun on its own. How people choose to level should be how they choose to level it. We don't need to funnel people in just for one mindset. Yeah. Right. But deep dungeon, uh, raids, like, what are you, what are you hopeful for um, with, the, with the Endwalker drop, like content wise and system wise? I mean, we, we never get raids on the first patch, right? I'm still kind of new at some of this because when okay. I came in, like, you know, with uh, Endwalker was already like at 5.2 or something, Endwalker, Shadowbringers was like 5.2 or something when mm -hmm. I came in. And then eventually I think I got caught up on 5.2. So yeah. I don't know what exactly is like the, the I'll, I'll walk you through it really easy because we technically we don't get the raid on 6.0. It will be 6.01. Exactly. It usually now history shows that we get it two weeks after the expansion and then we get the Savage version two weeks after that. So uh, that is so that people can take their time and enjoy the game and the story. Doesn't mean people won't rush it. Um, for those of you doing math, that is indeed right up against Christmas and New Year's for yes. Frog. That is terrible. That's such a terrible. Why would you do that? Well, I mean, I don't think you really have a choice with the global pandemic and everything. Because yeah. like game, this game was supposed to release in June, yeah. July. <laughs> this was not such devastation. It's not their intention. It, it's it's like. <laughs> But but I'm I'm genuinely asking, wouldn't people prefer like it's it's okay, so just you know, make Savage like one month, like make it just extend the, the time so that it doesn't land right because gamers are oh, we as no. gamers we're already no, like no, antisocial. No, 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 really? No. Okay. okay, so so as a WoW player, you're used to patch lengths being this arbitrary amount that the record patch yeah. length I think is as short as 77 days, and the longest is like what if we just didn't do another one? Um, <laughs> yeah. That's a method. Warlords of Draenor. Uh, Warlords of like, Draenor was like, we could also just have a patch without a raid. Like that's, we'll call it a patch because we said it was one. So Final Fantasy patches are A, not only consistent, we get five. So it's kind of like Call of Duties. People were mad that the Call of Duty didn't get delayed when they found out that it wasn't going to run well on the new consoles. Um, but the problem is they can't delay it because they have another one in 12 months. <laughs> so if they kick it out, it, it it's their, their business model doesn't allow for it. So they just released a crappy version of Call of Duty. So 
Final Fantasy, while it thankfully has not had to release crappy patches, it does have a schedule to keep to. It has five patches, 0.1.2.3.4.5. We also have half patches for each of those. And those have a recipe of the fundamental base items that are inside of them. And then we get additional items layered on top that we don't know what those are yet. That means that to finish an expansion in two years, we have to stay on the schedule or it kicks the expansion out. So when we had a patch delayed, that's the reason that the whole expansion is delayed. And so you can't kick the Savage rate out too far or it pushes against 6.1. So maybe you could kick it out four weeks, but you have to be very aware, then you're restricting the number of raid lockouts between the 6.0 raid and the 6.2 raid, which will be the second tier, because with the 0.1 raid, we do the, on the off tiers, we do the Alliance raids. Um, so we'll have a we'll have our Myths of the Realm 24 Man Alliance series, part one, part two, point three, uh, point one, point three, point five will be the three parts. And then with our main patches, that'll be our raid series, point oh, point two, point four. Uh, I guess with with me only getting caught up at five point two, I still haven't gotten used to the fact that uh, you know, there's actually a plan with this game. That's such a foreign concept. There's yeah. actually a plan. Yeah. It's not just like we well, can't let's, eat lunch late because we have dinner. Let's let's put this out and, and then and then we'll figure out when we're gonna put the next one out. That that's kind of like how stuff used it's to It's not work. just a plan. It's like it's one of the most underrated kind of things that people really don't think about is that imagine seven is already written. <laughs> yep. And then realize that seven is written so it's like it's it's not like hey, okay because how they deliver that content and one of the things that literally is i think a, a real big selling point of final fantasy 14 because i didn't realize it like this was just like oh we get our updates every three three and a half months you know like on clockwork uh minus global pandemic you know coming in and you know throwing a wrench in it but still they were able to spin right back up into it and we still continue to get our content for the game and then that left everybody wondering outside of the the, the any you know people coming from one game to another outside of asmongold bringing his you know horde and changing the game in which that it like we talked about this in pre-show uh guys thank you so much for you know the memberships because you get to check out the pre-show if you missed it um what we talked about this in pre-show is like literally like that breaking down barriers where like here's brian here's chris here's rory like guys you got to come play 14 it's really a good game eh, i don't know i'm good uh hey asmund's playing final fantasy 14 and then everybody's playing final fantasy 14 because it's it was like this last barrier of like i'm not so sure and then it's like oh wow this is a really great experience and so when you look at it that delivered chris said it like we were sitting here in arr and he was like this is incredible we get these really great patches like every three months, like this is something to be excited about. And these aren't, you know, small patches. Like we get all this content. I go, it's yeah. consistent to a fault. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. I come and stay with you for, th for three months. Cause you know, I have a job in your area and every day I make your bed for you. I, I, I pack your lunch for you. I make dinner and I clean your house. The first week you're like, I like having this guy around. Like there's all this stuff that just gets done. I will tell you veteran players at this point in Shadowbringers are like, yeah, he's going to make my bed. He's going to make me lunch. Like, so at this yeah, point, yeah, yeah. there is almost a resentment of like, oh, we're going to get two new tomes and a new raid. Oh, we're going to get five leveling dungeons. Like people are like, how do, how do Brian and Chris, I said there will be a second live. Like they said, there's going to be two more live letters. We get two live letters before every single batch. And so I said, the second one will be on November 5th. And then they announced it and they're like, it's November 5th. And I was like, oh, I got it. Like, it, because <laughs> it's always two weeks prior to the content. So it wasn't magic. 
the second piece is always two weeks prior to the content. So I just pulled yeah. that from five years of them doing the same freaking yeah. thing every single time. We get a we will have an 81, 83, 85, 87, 89 dungeon. I have seen no Endwalker content. We have not been to the media tour. And I can tell you, likely, we will have five le leveling dungeons. Why would I think that? Because we got five leveling dungeons with Heaven's Word and we got five leveling dungeons with Stormblood. Like we're, we're, we're like psychics, like, hmm, my phone has unread emails. Aha. Oh. Wow. <laughs> yeah. What a concept. So Dude. for all the new players coming with Shadowbringers, they are going to hit 6.0 and they're going to be shocked by the amount of content and they're going to wonder, okay, when is there more? And then 6.0.5 will come out and they'll be like, oh my gosh, there's even something else. And then 6.1 will drop and they'll go, wow, this is a lot. And then 6.1.5 will drop. And like, it's, it's a, it's a cadence, but once you've been through one full cycle, one full two year cycle, some of it will start to feel familiar. And that's how they do it, is it's a formula. The basis of a Final Fantasy expansion you is could, pre pre -bait. You could almost say it's like, um, you know, when whenever someone goes in the, and they start live streaming, right? Everybody says, and, and it, it should be a well-known thing, that one of the biggest things is having a schedule and consistency. This is why I suck. I don't have a schedule. I'm not consistent. And so... <laughs> like, screw exactly. you, advice. <laughs> Advice, get the hell out of my face. I, I will do I know what I exactly want. What the I know exactly what the problem is. I just can't do it. I keep scheduling to get a schedule, but. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like. Where's my secretary? That's, that's, one of the, that's probably one of the tenets of success of the way that they do the, the patch cycle of it 14. It's like it's consistency. It's just consistency. Can, and people know when to expect it. But yes. like you, you were talking about raids and, and stuff that uh, I'm hopped about doing. It's like, for one. One of the things that I really liked was the fact that they did something different with the last dungeon that they introduced in Shadowbringers. Something that I really liked and something that I want to see them explore more. And it's that first pull. And, and you guys will know what I'm talking about. It's like you get that first pull, you get like a double pull, but there's a dragon on the other side of a wall trying to bust it down. And he busts it down. And then it's like if your group is good, the pull will be dead before you know the dragon busts it down. If your group is not good, the pull is not dead, and that opens up the potential for you to pull like three or four more packs instantly afterwards. And it's like, I liked the non-linearity of that, where it's like, if you have a, it shouldn't be just depending on, dependent on performance. Like I would like to see other interesting things take place, but like, I liked seeing them move a little bit away from that formula of like, okay, it's two pulls in a wall, two pulls in a wall, and now a boss, two pulls in a wall, two pulls in a wall, and now another boss, you know? It's like, that's kind of how it feels, right? I think they've gone more to two poles in a wall every single expansion. I think Shadowbringers dungeons, in my opinion, are only better than Stormblood dungeons because my expectations were more in line with reality. But I'm, I'm talking specifically about that last dungeon. Like that Just that talking about the Right, yeah. the fact that the dragon could bust through. versus The, the dragon you know, could bust through. There, and, it's and a mess slight variability, up. yeah. So yeah. dungeons at this point have moved to being narrative exploration in my opinion with the they have become more beautiful yeah. and more about expanding on the story than ever before the importance of the bosses we face the importance of the locales we go they are more significant now than ever before um in my opinion there's a couple times in arr that that would rival but i think like shadowbringers has really leveled up the amount of cinematic and yeah. there is a middle section of paggle fan where as a wow player we have to do a kind of vehicle section 
And my first time through, I was like, oh, God, oh, God, are we going to get to bomb something? Like, I was so excited. And then you, you don't. You just, you just ride the vehicle. Uh, and, like, it was such – and so I will say what I'm taking away from you that I will agree with is there are opportunities that they're still leaving on the table in dungeon design where they could make them way less linear, especially with the change where trash mobs are no longer going to grant experience. Now it's all about get to the boss, survive the boss – that's where your reward is. Not only the loot, but the experience. And so now, in my mind, I would love to see dungeons explorable. This would require an enormous amount of foresight because Blue Mage is always two years in the past. But it would I would love to see a dungeon have areas you cannot get to without um oh. without a blue mage or without like things that specific we, don't, we don't know they're there until two years later. And then we go through that dungeon for the first time. And there's like a new boss, right? There's a pathway that only they were able to blue mage or uh, Beastmaster or other limited job, etc. Like Dude, that, that would that would be, be unreal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because that's that's that what hard modes awesome. are, right? It's a chance to re-explore the same locale. Like, let's bake that in. Dude, you know the Unreal system is coming. It's very different. Instead of revitalizing old content, you're now designing new content that will one day be old content. So uh, I so, have to. I have to ask you guys, because you guys have played this game way longer than I did. and <laughs> Probably way longer than that's healthy, but we uh, we, we take pride yeah. in that. Mm. But it's, I mean, yeah, that, with people more hey, unhealthy, look, so we're doing this great. Is, this is a good thing. Like, look, when, when Monster Hunter World came out and Iceborne, like, I played that game for 2,600 hours. And we're talking what is most like a, a single-player game with some optional multiplayer stuff, okay? 2,600 hours. It's a long time. But it's like... Um, the way that I experienced uh, Final Fantasy XIV, because, you know, I when I realized that this is very much a narrative-driven experience, I was like, okay, well, in that case, if I boost all the way to the end and then just, like, get the end game, which is what, what I do in most MMOs, is that really going to be something that I'm interested in? Considering that this game scales you down when you're doing things, wouldn't it be way more interesting if I would just go through the content and, like experience all of the dungeons experience all of the raids like i actually got a group of people when i was playing through the game and i was like guys i want to do coils and you know streamer privilege i got to do coils and in a time where literally no one was running them because like now with the asmongold flood of people coming in right like there's there's people actually running coils but back when i was leveling there was nobody running coils so I'm, i go to my stream and i'm like guys i, I need help i want to run this content just to know the story and you know i ran that and so for every expansion i did this which is like i would do every single bit of content there is there in normal mode before i move on to the next expansion so okay. i got to experience all of the hard mode dungeons all of that stuff and why did we lose hard mode dungeons? Like what happened there? Cause that was to me the first time that I just go into Sastasha hard, right? Like I'm just like, Oh, there's this thing, Sastasha hard. I assume it's just Sastasha leveled up for level 50. And then I'm just like, no, wait, th no. this is a new dungeon. Hard was a like, new what, translation what? error that they stuck with in my opinion as a word selection. Yeah. It but it's, it's, it's not. So what what happened there? Why did they move away from that design? Because like that is something that I would like to see in chat in uh, Endwalkers. Like bring back hard dungeons. Like give us more dungeons. I love dungeons. My favorite thing. I think it's because we got Deliberum and we got Zadnor and, and Boja uh, in in reality. And I think that there is a uh, physical human resource limitation that Square Enix is under. And as much as we want, and that's actually one of the reasons why Chris and I have been and have been blamed for the the Asmund Rich 
thing literally like people yeah yeah it is the work to game brian and they were coming over but we invited them and it's just ours (laughs) and i don't even think they've i think rich said work to game once because someone said it in chat you know, it's like literally, it's like they could, could care less. It's probably us. He's probably just but, reading our uh, You know what? If, uh, if if it's benefiting you guys, then we will take full credit. But uh, beyond that aspect, th- that I think we've seen kind of a shift. I think when it comes to that, I miss the hard mode and the extra dungeons because I do enjoy dungeons. But here's the rub. Here's the problem: is that the dungeons, once known, haven't evolved in a way that are that are satisfying to me. <laughs> And I think essentially when we look at Boja, Zadnor, Deliberum, uh, Delrata, when we look at uh, the, like, also the the deep dungeon and, and the, the variety that we want, I think ultimately what people want to see is that uh, that ability to kind of push and have a piece of content that can kind of be, be variable, you know? And so I think what we'll probably see going forward is dungeons having that narrative, but we're going to see the time that they would have spent on a hard mode dungeon shift its way into maybe where I I would love to see like a deep dungeon in which they pull from the dungeons that they pull these, like, instead of having like this kind of squared cube thing, it's like, okay, you're on this floor and it ends up being this dungeons actually connected to this dungeons asset. We're going to bring in all these different things and we're going to just throw everything at at you. Um, I I think that's kind of be how we end up going forward because we almost have over a hundred dungeons. We will, I guess with N Walker clearly, beat the hundred dungeon limit and then at the end of the day how many dungeons do we run over and over again and then right now it seems to always be it's called a roulette but it's really a coin flip and i would love for them just to just to call it a coin flip in one point why why can't why can't they just put more in the expert roulette i never understood it's always the final two because it's the highest item level and it's the highest uh, tome it's in theory it's the hardest it's the highest minimum item level because they don't scale those up. Those are the two hardest dungeons. Those require the most DPS output. So it's always the top two dungeons in the expert roulette. Those requirements are still pretty low though. Like, <laughs> So for the group we're talking about, they're not. So for the group we're talking about, you're talking about people who are new to the game who say, okay, I just cleared yeah. MSQ, how do I gear up? And those dungeons are still very much relevant. So the question here is the, the core question that you're asking without looking. So Brian looked forward, but your core question was, I like dungeon content. I don't have time for extremes and savage. There was a comment that Brian highlighted that went on to say, like, I would rather be for me personally, you know, if they had to get rid of ultimates to give us more of the side dungeons, we, you know, we're seeing for this kind of concept, I will tell you what Square Enix does is they, they iterate. Everything is iterative. It's never new out of thin air. Nothing has been new. They have never invented anything that's totally brand new. If you break down the, the contents function, the execution has been new. We didn't see limited jobs coming. We didn't see Eureka coming, but the, the core function is not new. And then when they get to where a piece of content is no longer serving its core function, they let that content die and they replace it with something new. So I'll give an example. So the squadron system was designed to allow you to be able to explore the dungeon content without a party because people say this is a single player RPG, but obviously it's not because it's because the moment you get to Sestasha, you have to find other players. So the squadron system was a way to allow players to explore the dungeon content in the game, but the squadrons were limited. They're only so smart. They, it, it really, it's, it's cumbersome to get into. It never quite does that. The game at the same time was moving to a point where um, with the Shadowbringers content, they were looking to give the Alliance Raid series over to being crossover content, which is the single largest piece of content we've ever had that was not Final Fantasy XIV exclusive lore. 
Um, and so when you think about lore as pages in a book, you only have so many pages in an expansion. The Alliance Raid chapter is a huge number of pages. When you take those pages out and you go put them in someone else's book, your book is now shorter, but Shadowbringers had a lot to go over. And so what they did instead is they said, okay, the squadron system, it, it, it's not there. It's not, it will never become what it needs to become because we didn't program it with what we now know in mind. We also need to tell more story. So they took those two things together and that is where we got the trust system. The trust system is not a totally invented idea that came out of Final Fantasy XI already had that. But the idea here is now we will have narrative exposition and we will have the ability to run dungeons and they will design not to be cumbersome locked behind a grand company system that has its own set of flaws, but instead will exist entirely in its own system and be self-contained to be functional from day one. Now there's been downsides to the trust system, but that's what it did. And so if you think about it that way, you say, why don't we get more dungeons? Because what dungeons do is dungeons are casually approachable content for people that want to do their battle jobs. They want to be able to get loot for glamour. They want to be able to get tomes and they want to be able to play with their friends in content that doesn't require that I get seven friends together. It requires that I get somewhere between playing by myself up to as high as three friends. That's what we want. Well, we've seen Eureka, Bosja, Zadnor really cater to those groups of people and be widely available and accessible for unlimited. We've seen Deep Dungeon cater to those same, same sense of people. So like we've seen other content reach out and extend a hand to that style of content. It just did it in a different way. So I would say that's why we lost Deep Dungeon. What is Deep Dungeon at a feature level? Well, the past Deep Dungeon, we didn't delete it. It's still there if you like it. But Deep Dungeon was being used as leveling content. Deep Dungeon was being used as solo challenging content and Deep Dungeon was being um, used as additional cosmetics. Those were its kind of three. Well, Bozja's Adnor has solo duels. Bozja's Adnor acts as leveling content and Bozja's Adnor has a ton of glamour lock behind it. So they ticked off the three boxes of what Deep Dungeon's best at. So when people said, well, where's my Deep Dungeon? You can understand why Yoshi P goes, what are you talking about? Like we gave you the same ingredients. Uh, and so that's why it caught them off guard that we missed Deep Dungeon. He said, God, if we can get that back into Endwalker, we will. I really yeah. misunderstood. Evans uh, kind of follows that up. It's like asking us, what do we think about some kind of unreal type of dungeon, basically taking the old dungeons, bringing them up to max level. And mm -hmm. I think that's that's the thing I, at the root of it. Like, I, as long as content that is added that's, you know, in this regards doesn't become required in terms of progression. One of the things that yes. I think Final Fantasy 14 does is it makes it to where progression is attainable. You can progress pretty quickly if you choose to, but it isn't something where like, oh gosh, like I got to log in on Monday because if I don't, I'm going to miss this window. Got to log in on Tuesday because if I don't, I'm going to miss another window. Where like when you look at what ended up, I think being a big frustration with wow is like people felt like if you weren't playing every day, you were, are, you're losing, oh, yeah. you're losing, you're losing. It was like that. And so I don't want something like that, but that's what I kind of brought up the, the big hundred dungeons number. Like we have all of this beautiful content and when I get put into, and so the solutions it's got, it is a, it is a problem, an aging problem within the game itself. There's, there is content that is unused that could and should be brought up in some form of fashion in it, in its own system, whether that's a, an evolution of the, of the deep dungeon system, bringing in those old pieces of content all of a sudden it's like oh now you're at level 90 and it's like oh this is really interesting and unique tying it into some form of personal challenge in its own style of progression system we've talked about 
the if you sit here and tell me that like sub jobs are coming into a deep dungeon system or into the next relic system like thank you like all of a sudden more personal choice more that old school rpg without breaking what people hold to be sacred which is the story and the raids so you keep that but, but you move it into its own little box its sandbox itself and all of a sudden you have a winning idea same so unreal dungeons or however they want to kind of bring that about yes because the, the the side of it is that when i get matched into an old piece of content i am thrilled the downside is i'm synced and i don't like that so it ends up being like oh man i haven't seen this dungeon in four years oh a nostalgia kicks in b it's a good freaking dungeon because they make i think really cool content and fights and so then it's a matter of do i really remember this and then but then it's offset by the fact that man, how cool would it be if I actually could use my full kit? And we've been in yeah. under that debate over uh, quite a bit. So I'm all for that, Evans. I think that's a like that's a wonderful idea. However, Listen, it ends up getting executed. Go ahead, Rory. I, I even have a name for it. Vintage roulette. Vintage. Led, or uh, <laughs> I like vintage or uh, Destiny has it called like legacy or, or yeah, legacy stuff. So it's like, oh, legacy. That's a. That's a, that's a powerful v word. Vintage is better. Vintage roulette. Un Unreal with the Unreal with the reward system tied behind it and the faux hollows and all this goofiness. Mm -hmm. um, the advantage of that is it's been highly optional uh, and it has allowed them to reuse content. And so whatever it is, um, you know, WoW has gone through multiple iterations of this. Mage Tower was really fun, but it was solo content. Challenge dungeons were really fun, but they they gave way to Mythic Plus, which which turned it into something very, very, very different. Um, and so I think that whatever it is, it needs to remain optional. Um, I love the idea of getting bonus dungeons, you know, that people don't have to clear. I love the idea, but when we look at the total amount of content we're getting per patch, it's bigger than ever before. We rebuilt a city last expansion. Like the, the total amount of content, the theme park is enormous now. Uh, and you may not like all sections of it, but the total size of the theme park and the total number of rides being updated in it is bigger than ever before. Um, the question is, how do we make sure that old sections don't become dusty and unused? Yeah. And so I think the Unreal system is a really clever thing where they don't have to design new encounters. They don't have to come up with new dungeon layouts. Hard modes were a little more expensive than that because they're not exactly the same dungeon. Um, so I think... For me, Unreal is the solution. So call that roulette whatever you want, but like Unreal is the it's the perfect solution. Mm, yeah, and more and more content needs to be that way. The um, art here says talking about how they feel that Eureka and Boja felt that they actually fell behind versus like the Heavensward Relic. The the only counter to that art would be that within Boja and that whole system, there's alternates of how you can go do all the other stuff. Like I can go out and farm fates, or I can go do something within the Bosha stuff. And I actually completed my first relic ever versus any of the other relic systems because of that flexibility. If I have mm -hmm. more time, I can go into Bosha. If I don't have more time, I could actually go run the old raids or I can go do this step of the, of the Alliance raids. And so the, the fact that I think, and I've advocated for this and if people don't like that I've advocated for this, but I say, give players more choice in how they progress. It doesn't have to be the most efficient. I said, and that's one of the reasons why I fell off the Eureka train and I'm still struggling to get past the first zone, but I'm, I'm making the effort. I'm making the effort. That all being said is that the fact that there wasn't choice meant that I wasn't going to engage with it. And I was like, I'll even take a 1% progression through a dungeon towards this versus the 100% 
that you're going to naturally get by going into the mode. Sometimes I don't have time to go put that time over here, but I do have time over here. And that's where I thought they did a great job on on the current relic step because I had choice I, and that fits. I my did feel style. like I did feel like I was a little bit um, I mean, it didn't annoy me too much, but it was a little bit uh, just there was a little bit of an attrition for me, which is like, oh, man, there's this new content that I'm really into Bosja. I just want to spend more time in here and play Bosja. I was one of the few people that enjoyed it. I know that a lot of people in 14 did not care for Bosja. I was like, dude, I dig this. This is fine. Cool. And then it's like I would constantly see people go like, oh, yeah, I just did. I don't know this dungeon 10 times and I have all the materials and I'd be running like Bosja all day and still not have the materials. I'd be like, well, I mean, come on. Bosja <laughs> should have been the premier source and the dungeon should have been the, the crappy <laughs> source. And then as it aged, like next expansion, easiest way to get a Shadowbringers relic, skip Bosja. Why? Because like, honestly, there's not going to be as many people there anyway. So like I think the alternative could have been the I think up. it could have just been balanced. Just like let them be evenly, you know, because that, that is true choice. It's just like, hey, you can choose to go to Bosja or you can choose to go to Dungeons. But the way that they did it, it was more like, hey, you want to be efficient? Go do Dungeons. You want to do Bosja? You can also get it there too if you want. They to. underestimated how well we could optimize it. That we could do yeah. like the open world fate step. They're like, well, an average fate, we, we looked at it and it takes one person, you know, 10 minutes to kill a fate by themselves or whatever. And then it's like, yes, but how long does it take 40 blue mages? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so like, it wasn't, Part of the non-balance was like, I've never killed fates that fast. Like the, there were times I wasn't getting credit for the fates if I wasn't in a group because you just walked up and it's like, oh good, fresh fate. Oh, it's over. Uh, it was so fast. That was the fantastic the fantastic thing about the yokai event is that that's when I decided, that, you know what? I'm going to do the the fate step of the Realm Reborn relic weapon. Oh, cool. And it was so good because like yokai watch time, everybody's just like doing fates. So yeah. I was just like running. Boop. Okay, good. Next one. Run in. Boop. Oh, here's an Atma or whatever. I'm going to level my Sage and Reaper by finishing my other three tank relics. I'm going to stage them all. I've got one at 515. I'm going to stage the other two at 515. And I'm going to do level 70 dungeons to level Sage and Reaper. Not because it's the fastest way to level Sage and Reaper, but because then I get a chance to play with them at their minimum rotation, which is what how I prefer to learn a job anyway. Um, their minimum established rotation. And then as soon as I feel comfortable with them, I'll get free relics. Speaking of um, speaking of Sage, how'd you guys feel about Scholar? Because I'm I'm genuinely think just just to piss people off, I'm be like, you know what? I'm gonna main Scholar Do as it. my heal, like not main as my my main class is Paladin. I'm just saying like my main healer. I'm just gonna be like I'm gonna main Scholar as my healer. Just That's for all Rich the haters got, yeah. out there. Rich got the Scholar weapon from Uwu when he got his Uwu clear <laughs> and said he goes because uh, I'm about to watch the job action trailer. And I've been told that Scholar is the best uh, best class next expansion. <laughs> But it's like, I, don't you guys think that people are exaggerating when it comes to, to the scholar stuff? Because, I mean, how much can you really get out of, like, a job action trailer? Like, you're, you're warrior. You saw, like, what, one new ability, which was the, the flippy thing. And you noticed that, oh, my onslaught no longer costs mana. That was pretty much it, what you saw from warrior. And it, it wasn't like, oh, warrior's trash. It's so bad. I mean, if you look at scholar, it's kind of the same thing. What did you see? Oh, there's a new ability. Okay. We made like three videos before the event went live that said, we're so sorry to hear that your job is ruined. The world is going to be on fire. We don't know which job it is, but every expansion, they release <laughs> this. And every single time, some job gets labeled as total garbage, fire, trash. And we can't know. They showed like one tool tip and we're like, yep, tra trash, delete it. I actually threw my, yep. I threw my job stone away. I'm not even going to play it. <laughs> 
Why? Based on what? The, the I, thing I a scholar. That, go, ahead, go ahead, Rory. Yeah, go ahead. I think that the 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 scholar sprint is actually being grossly under underrated right now. Massive, like, massive uptime for melee. It is what that could yeah. end up translating to. Go ahead. Exactly. No, that was it. I was just going to say that I think that people are really underselling it because, like, a lot of people are saying, "Oh, it's a combat peloton." It's like, no, it's going to be sprint speed. Sprint is faster than peloton. So it's going to be significantly faster. And what's going to be the uptime on this tiny buff of it? And it's also going to have, because uh, every healer is going to have now uh, a buff, like not exactly like the cards from Astro, but something in line with that. Every healer is going to have like a buff that is going to be able to, to buff people with damage. So, you know, who knows what the Scholar one is going to be? Scholar already has also, what's it called? Is it Stratagem that it's called? Whatever increases mm-hmm. crits or something. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Increases Change, crit on, on mobs. Yeah. Amazing ability. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's like Scholar already has a lot of good tools. Like I I actually one one of the people in my community used to I don't think they main Scholar they main Bard but they played a lot of Scholar when they were playing with me and I was like dude Scholar is amazing I love it and yet people were always saying no Scholar's trash it's like the reason I play Astro is because I'm not confident enough to play Scholar because I consider barrier healers to require more skill than a full on healer because like a full on healer is like oh, somebody took damage, I'll heal them. A barrier healer is not supposed to be played like that. It's supposed to be like, damage is coming, I'm going to shield them now. So you have to know what is going to happen. You have to have more dedication. Am I wrong by thinking this? So there will be a media tour that Foxconn said the embargo will lift mid-October. Yeah. And tooltips will come out of this. But last time, the media tour was held in June for an expansion that released in july and it was played on an april bill so to add fuel to this fire i will tell you that there will be a chance that things on the media tour server are things that not only do people want changed but literally could already have been changed at the time that somebody's it is possible that people attending the media tour are already operating on false information so to further add fuel to this fire They said they are not done with Scholar. They said they are not done with Fizz Ranged. It is possible that the media tour build literally doesn't even have their most up-to-date changes. And it's also possible it doesn't, which means somebody could go, it'll be okay, they'll fix this, and then they don't, and everybody's mad. Or somebody will say, you know, this is perfect how it is, and it'll change. So, like, just to add further anonymous fire to this, yeah, this is going to get worse before it gets better. And then people are going to decide on day one at like level 80 how the job's going to play. And we won't even have savage raids, which is really where like the maximum potential of these is expounded on. And mm-hmm. then we use the guides and the, the things that come out of savage raids to help us derive how we should be playing down at the casual level. So like we're making all these choices without knowing what the content's doing, what the final version of the job is, and without literally any play experience and people are already like, yeah, it's really a bummer that Bard isn't even going into Endwalker. Like, based on what? <laughs> you know what? I completely agree. Basically, what you're saying is that Scholar is clearly the best healer for Endwalker, and I agree. <laughs> yep. It's possible. It's it, like it, no, it don't even pick up it. That's the that that's the reason I'm gonna main scholar in, in Endwalker. Like I already leveled scholar. I even got a free summoner out of the deal too, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> I got a summoner for free. It's like oh, and that's why it's like people are like, oh, if you if you're looking to boost a job at all, like get either a summoner or scholar because you get yeah, two those are for half one. Off. 
Yeah, it's that It's just bundled. Um, Basically, think, losing money not to boost it. Yeah, I think when it comes to like the scholar conversation specifically, like I, I'm gonna dig. Just yeah, I'm gonna wait to see. I think from a show perspective, underperformed. Like I think when yeah. it comes down yeah. to it, like especially with what you saw with Summoner, and that there's always gonna be a connection in your mind right now. Like, oh man, Summoner looks incredible, and then Scholar's like, it, it, it he ran a little faster. Like that was the highlight of this move. Out of bad, not even with a group of people. They kind Dude, of that like imagine, though. imagine uh, e E10s where like you got to go left or right for shadow dogs, right? And you really have to make it to your spots for orbs. That would have been something to highlight, like the scholar and the sprint. And all of a sudden, everybody's able to get where they need to be with plenty of time, and people go, "Oh, I get it." But it's a scholar running out of an AOE and it's like, haha, I'm here. So showmanship wise, <laughs> scholar just didn't come to the, the, to the dog and pony show ready to perform. However, I think for me, when I look at the scholar and how it balances it out, scholar lost a lot in Shadowbringers, And when you look at like white mage dominance, when you look at Sage coming in with cardio or cardia, uh, in, in which that it's a, it's a damaging healer. Like, you heal by putting out damage. Wow. Like that's great. You don't want to, you don't want to do damage. Scholar might not be for you because that's a big core mechanic to that. Scholar, oh, I hope Sage hits Sage, like a yeah. wet noodle. Sorry, Sage. <laughs> I hope it hits like a wet noodle. Like and a, all these people are like, I DPS to heal. Do you though? Yeah. Just, just, just watch the world burn. Imagine getting, imagine getting out DPS by a, like um, a, a scholar with their book. Oh yes. Smack. I Smack. hope the scholar out DPS is the crap out of Sage consistently. And, and that's the tanks are all in three percent. Screw that. Scholar is ten percent right. below the other. Or Sage is ten percent below the other healers. So oh, essentially, oh, the, yeah. the problem though with scholar right now is that yeah, it could it could easily be you have your fairy, which is essentially acting as that cardia, and it's just going to go ahead and decide to do healing. My personal hope, the two changes I really want to see made with with scholar itself is that I'd like to see that the fairy because like we used to be able to 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 macro the fairy to go and heal because the fairy only kind of kicks in once a certain percentage of the person's life is ticked down. I would rather just let the fairy like do more and, and have a little bit more control over that. But I'd also like to see a return to what the fairies meant. Meaning right now we have Eos and, and, and purple Eos like Celine, right? Like, okay. So you have Which a is pivotal because <laughs> you can match your fairy to your glam. Yeah. So <laughs> only, so if Brian, you, only if you purple or green, but let, I'm saying that like, I would love to see like either one fairy Eos have a slight region effect that they, they apply with the heel. And then with the, with Celine have a slight shielding effect that they applied with the heel. So that, well, that <laughs> way there's a nocturnal yeah, on your fairy, you know, like that'd be so, amazing. That'd be amazing. So, so let me tell you, Brian, you know what they did with diurnal and nocturnal? <laughs> they got rid of them. They just got up the, the nocturnal one and yeah. throw it away. So, so you're like, oh, make her. my fairies useful again. Yoshipi's going to be like, okay, this pink one, you don't need this one anymore. Right. It, it, it's to the point <laughs> where it's like, why not just give us a thousand different, if it's just fairy colors, like, let's just go. Uh, unknown, thank a you so much for the two fairies. spot. Uh, Sage will become the new floor tank is what he's, uh, what he's thinking. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh my gosh um so yeah like i think there's hope for for scholars out there uh i think that from a kit perspective i've i just want to see a little bit more damage options the biggest thing and i got so much flack for it and i I'm still shocked uh by the the hate that that this that this received but the thing that they i felt they lost was shadow flare which was a part of their original arcanist kit summoner also lost it but it was a ground dot 
that you could put down. And they empowered Sacred Soil with uh, with the Scholar. And I was like, that's actually a really great buff because it reduces damage and it has an, uh, an, a region effect that's applied to it. We'll see if this obviously carries into Endwalker. But I was like, it'd be so cool if Sacred Soil also put out damage. And people are like, no, you don't want to... You don't want to do that. You don't want to have damage that's tied to your like your your things. And it's like, well, we have they brought back well, energy sage. drain. And it's like, yeah, and sage now. Like exactly. Like <laughs> you know, let's go. You don't like, want to this. have damage associated with your heal. Yet people are super excited about sage that heals while he deals damage. Yeah, hundred percent. Excuse me. <laughs> what I like about that idea is not particularly like that it needs to be doing damage in particular. What I like about that sort of idea is I love when an ability has more than one use. And what that yeah. allows for is when you end up in a situation where you don't need it. Imagine you're in a party that doesn't need sacred soil optimally. And so you have the choice to save it for a phase where it can do more damage. And so there are times when, you know, like, like my inner release has an anti knockback component. Most of the time I'm using inner release to get access to Felcleave, but occasionally I've screwed up something and I didn't have the gauge for my gap closer. And I pop in a release a little early, take the free gap closer, avoid a knockback, and right. And so there are times when it's like, oh, there's another aspect of this, so it adds complexity. Um, and so what I like is is that they add complexity to these things. And so the nice thing about healer adding the one and a half second cast times, um, and what I'm hoping they're doing with these healers is they're starting to just add some optional complexity because when you get into a party where you're in synced content that doesn't need a lot of healing, it is it is just standing there. It's just standing around like healing is sometimes just standing around and the rotations for DPS on most of these healers are really, really flat. You just push, you want to talk about a one button combo. I have great news for you. Like healers are just, you should you play just, a green DPS. Yeah. Green you DPS. Press the one button. Dot, single target, single target, single target, single target. So having a DPS a component yeah. added to healers is, it is exciting um, in that it helps us, because the other alternative is more utility. The other alternative yeah. is to start having things toss out more things that need to be assuned. Things start having crowd control be necessary. But then the problem is you're raising the skill ceiling. You're raising what the top end players are doing, but you're bringing the bottom end player up with you. You're raising that skill floor by keeping it optional. You're allowing for a top end healer to have additional things they can do and chase, but you've done so in a way where a brand new healer on their first time through the instance can be like, yeah, I'm just not going to do any of the damage stuff. That's fine. You yeah. keep us alive. We'll do the rest. And then next time when you're feeling a little better, why don't you try pushing one or two damage buttons? Yeah. Rory, where can people find you? You can find me over on youtube.com slash Rurikon. Uh, that's where I do most of my content. And I'm actually planning of streaming the entirety of Endwalker over on, uh, on that channel, which is crazy. It's probably going to upset the algorithm a whole lot, Yeah, but I'm here for it. It will, but <laughs> that's the, one of the things that I'm like, I wish I had my, my playthroughs of 1.0, 2.0, 3.0. So at the end of the day, I'm like, yep, if uh, it's going to split the algorithm, it's good. Uh, it's fine. I just, I want to have that essentially. Cause like in 10 years from now, like imagine being able to kind of go back and, you know, like react to your own, like, you know, like, oh my gosh, like this is, I can't believe this has been 10 years. You're Look, never going to do it look. because it's too, it's too long. <laughs> Like if you're streaming it, you're not going to be playing Endwalker on like one hour segments. You're going to be playing it probably on like two, three, four hour mm -hmm. segments. Yeah. You're never going to react to a video of yourself. That's like well, two no, hours. Just more that like right now would be really cool for me to be able to go and back highlight like moments and clips in that regards. Like, yeah. wow, I can go and I can. I See, can have I have all of that again. in my secondary channel. Everything go. except like, I think. Rurikon Unchained, is that, is that right? 
or unleashed unleashed yeah unleashed <laughs> chris where can people find you i mean i'm live on twitch right now i just finished my first relic and uh and so i've been doing that and then i publish over to gaming kind of sometimes kind of about games kind of it's in the name yeah. uh it's it's kind of um so and then um yeah, we're publishing to work to game. We are invited to the media tour. That's about all we can say at this point. As soon as we can say more, we will be saying more. Um, and so expect a lot of content in the next, what are we down to as of this recording? 58 days till Endwalker or something like that. Yeah. Um, so it'll be these times of, of quietness followed by times of old school work to game where we slam your feed and you have to scroll down past us. And you're like, how do I just watch something that's not Brian and Chris? Yeah. <laughs> You don't. <laughs> you get it's the content you deserve. No. And it's and it, and it's one of the things like there's it, it, it's married to this idea that you people will say Brian and Chris want more content creators. And it's absolutely hey, because we like to consume more content ourselves. Uh, it's you know, like it's a there's a, a synergy. We feel like in that regards, like I like watching and listening to other people's thoughts. Uh, the, but we've been very encouraging of that. And then at the same time, it's like you just can't avoid us and it's you know and maybe if more content creators come into the into the fray uh you know so if you hate us be sure to go and support somebody else because that will yeah. that'll be really a good yeah. way that you maybe don't see us in your feed but uh, i got bad news if you're in that anti-crowd yeah like you're just gonna <laughs> you're gonna have to right click and say like ignore channel and we'll still get past that because we know because there's not uh, enough creators there's not enough Feel like well you guys are even asking ones that you disagree with yes <laughs> more. more oh yeah that's i think the biggest like, thing a lot of people just get pissed at us because <laughs> yeah i think a lot of people get mad like, i can make a better guy like do it it's the thing is i think a lot of people nowadays um they just consider that whenever you disagree with someone that that is like a bad thing oh no disagreeing with someone is terrible and it's like this is one of the reasons why i like doing conversational podcasts like this is so that people can understand like you know uh, chris is wrong because he likes warriors more than pals this is wrong I is like, we could just clip that and just there it is <laughs> That's that's, that's, like, the, that's the story. I'm, I'm right life. because I like paladins more than warriors, but we can still coexist and have a, a pleasant conversation. And he can feel that way, even though his big changes was that he got a warrior gap closer given to him. <laughs> You're welcome to 20 yards. It's amazing. Yeah. It's pretty good. <laughs> they didn't announce that as a role change because it wasn't a change for warrior. They said Dark Knight, now with a 20-yom gap closer. Paladin, with a 20-yom gap closer. Gunbreaker, with a 20-yom gap closer. How come they didn't say that for Warrior? Because we already had that. It's not new. <laughs> I'm just seeing how happy you are about your five yoms. <laughs> well, I wasn't using it to gap close anyway. I was using it in <laughs> exactly. intermediate. I was using it from point blank range. The biggest gap I close is when I'm tanking a Savage boss and like I backed up for a mechanic <laughs> and I'm at max melee. My biggest gap closed as a warrior at all honesty is max melee to min melee. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's less than the length of my hammer, which I do use a hammer. I ground, I got my first relic today, guys, glowy ax. And I have a, and I have a macro, my, I have a job linked. Like you can link your glamor sets. So as soon as I change back to my warrior, I'll never see that relic again. It is a hammer. I have fixed it. Thank you for the relic. I will now go back to my hammer. 
Yeah, we need to we need to see hammers and games. Hammers are awesome. The yeah. uh, and if you're listening here to the podcast uh, on Junior Gaming Radio and also on Spotify, iTunes, Google, your Samsung fridge, whatever it is, uh, you know, yeah, we love uh, any kind of reviews that you can guys uh, rate it and share out the the podcast. Hopefully, you enjoy the MP3 audio brought to you day and date by Luke and his generous support. Also, un I think it was unknown uh, gamer. Thank you so much for that uh, two dollar super chat. Unknown character, excuse me. Uh, thank you for supporting the show. We really appreciate it. And also a great free way to support the podcast is hitting like or, or dropping a five-star rating on the audio version of it. That's going to wrap up the show, guys. This has been a fun time. Brewery is such a legend. And if you guys aren't following his content, thank be you. sure to do so. He's, uh, he's, he's a man among men, a gamer among gamers. And you can also catch him occasionally on the Epic Loot Radio podcast as well as his own channel and content. The guy is, is a beast. Follow him. Love him. And we'll see you next time. Take care.